and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia, and with me, as always, is my co-host Mila. Hi, Mila. Hi there. Tonight's episode is the beginning of the end of the beginning of the worst. I'm not really going to get into it, to be perfectly honest. That's my title. I have my personal reasons. Hardcore fans of Merlin might actually get what I'm saying here, and I'm not going to say anything more. I clearly don't get what you're saying, but great. Thanks. Thanks for that. More on that in a second, actually. I'm going to give you the synopsis first. When a druid and his apprentice are caught, they make a desperate bid for freedom. During the chase, Merlin hears the boy's telepathic cries for help. Fascinating. It is fascinating. It's pretty accurate. The opening. Yeah. Sure. The synopsis is right. This kid and this druid are, it's, it's an epic opening. It, there's a lot. There's a whole fight, and I don't know what kind of a knight, like a a Camelot. Well, they're not knights. They're guards. I don't know what kind of guard attacks a child with a sword. Seems a little much of a reaction. Seems that he overreacted, yes. And, I mean, then there's magic. Never run to Camelot for safety, okay? If you're a magical person, you ran from the village of Camelot into the castle. Like, you're just, you're running to the wrong place to save yourself when you're a magic person. So that's, that's right there. Right there, your question is exactly my question. Um, You know that this king is not well in the head when he hears the word magic. You're a magical person. You have clearly a magical child with you. You're sending him into the castle, into the gates, in, in, not out, in. When you just said, we need to get out of here as fast as you can. What? That makes no sense. Run for the forest. Whatever. They make a really bad choice. And you don't really know what's happening, I guess, if you'd read the synopsis. I know you didn't. You know... Merlin hears a voice in his head, and that's when we kind of cut to, you know, our lovely theme song, which everybody loves. I'm actually going to, spo- like, I'm actually going to get into this now. I listened to the commentary, and it was Katie McGrath, Colin Morgan, Angel Colby, and Jeremy, last name I can't remember, the director, cracked me up because at the very end when the theme song played, they all did the thing I do sitting home alone watching this da-da-da-da-da at the end. They all did it. They just all did the the ending of the theme song. And I thought, that's, that's so, so funny because it's not just me who can't resist doing that. But yeah, things escalated. Merlin's hearing voices. Merlin is super chill about what happens with this voice that he's following. I guess it's happened before with the dragon. Yeah. I'm going to ask you right off the bat, how do you feel about this kid? And, and like, I am I hear he's a lovely child from the commentary, and I'm sure he is. I'm just saying, in this episode of Merlin, he creeps me out. <laughs> I mean, I think it was very brave of them and the writers to put a child actor in a role that he can't speak, to just have to act with his face. That is brave. I mean, they cast the right kid. His face speaks volumes. He's a very good actor. The person is a very good actor. I'm just saying he pulls a lot of creepy faces and it creeps me out. That's true. Those big eyes creep me out. Yes, I was going to say the eyes. He does a lot of stuff with the eyes. Um, oh, you know, I'm, I like kids. I'm a kid person. 
I don't dislike kids. I just think this kid creeps me out the whole episode. I'm just like, okay, he's creepy. We'll get further into that. I'm not too creeped out until the very end. Rightfully so. Yeah. There's, I mean, the theme they effectively give the kid in the opening and the closing, the chanting. Terrifying. But anyway, Merlin saves him because Merlin cannot help but save people. And busts into Morgana's room, which I love because it seems like Morgana and Gwen are just kicking back, throwing back drinks or something. Or just me? It feels very casual, hanging out kind of stuff. Yeah, it's the opposite of the idea we talked about last episode where Bradley was talking about how they, they were making sure that Merlin's always doing a chore and Arthur's not doing something. Instead, when he busts in on Morgana and Gwen, they're hanging like buds. Like Gwen's not doing work. As far as I can tell, they're just kicking it. Yeah, no. They're just having girl time. Doesn't look like she's doing any work. So we find out in this scene that it's a druid boy. We don't really have any context for that. He went to the right place. Morgana and Gwen are always going to kind of have his back, I feel like. I feel like more now than before. I think Morgana got creeped out last episode with everything that happened. And I think she's more attuned to what might be happening to her body or her mind. Morgana's got a lot going on in this episode. There's a lot happening. But first we get into Arthur and Uther's little discussion because Arthur has yet another conversation of a useless attempt of trying to get Uther to just use common sense once the concept of magic has been introduced. I mean, he basically is like, these people are peaceful. And Uther could not give any shits about that. Yes. We get this really sweet line from Arthur. Again, like the preview of what King Arthur will be like. Showing mercy can be a sign of strength. Yes, that is very sweet. But no. Yeah, Arthur thinks that an execution is just excessive. He is a child. Well, they didn't find the child yet at this point. They're executing the child's dad. Right. Okay. So he thinks, yes, you're right. He thinks an execution of this guy who was just trying to get supplies and leave. Also drastic. Which makes sense. They didn't do anything wrong. He only used magic in self-defense. Yeah. He, but, but here's the thing that always happens is that Arthur, when he talks to Uther about this stuff, or maybe everybody, but Arthur tends to argue the way in which magic was used. This, is, this happened with Gwen. Well, even if she used it, she used it to save her dad. She's not evil. And Arthur is always qualifying the magic to Uther, but seems to be forgetting that it's not, it doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. Magic is outlawed. Using it to like, I don't know, bloom a flower, just anything innocent. If you moved a chair with it, you would be burned at the stake because, or beheaded or however he wants to kill you. The use of it is what merits death. It's that you used it. Because he's so afraid that if you can move a chair, you can train yourself maybe to do worse things. And what at some point is going to get so strong that you can do things against him in the kingdom itself. He says the execution is a clear message because mercy won't be seen like strength by their enemies. Also, it's not that the magic will get stronger. He thinks magic is the corrupting force. That is true. It is evil. He doesn't think it's neutral. It's like anything, really. Nothing's evil. It's just how people use it, right? But he doesn't 
abide by that school of thought. It's not the person who's evil. Magic is evil. So if you have magic in you, eventually you're going to do something bad. Again, I mean, we talked about it last time, but he's kind of right in the sense that everyone who keeps showing up. But this is the first time we see someone show up. It's not really true this time. The person who showed up and did magic was not doing anything bad. They're not there to hurt Uther. They're not there to do anything but get some food. They literally wanted to leave. They wanted to go. They wanted supplies and they want to get out of there. They didn't want to stay. They didn't come to stay. It's just Uther being Uther. We have the execution scene is so reminiscent of the pilot for me. Morgana hanging out in the window. Merlin's there with her this time. And it's interesting to me because they're watching it together. And they're two people who are themselves in danger of this, right? And they're both sitting together watching. Right. Although Morgana walks away. Yeah, they both have magic, which I, by the, we haven't talked about this. I love that phrasing. It's just a little thing about this show that I adore with all my heart is whoever wrote this part of the speech. It's not that you can do magic. It's that you have it. It's very good. It's very good. Good on the writer who wrote that. I'm jealous of that writing bit. Yeah. Look, kids creepy in this scene too. The mirror breaks. He creeps me out. Creeping me out all the time. Creepy. Well, in this scene, it was the first time that I could see that not only the kid had powers, let's say, is that he was strong because the the energy and the anger and the pain that he felt from feeling his dad dying outside of the castle was the thing that made him scream and break the mirror without even saying anything. Yeah, no likey. Uncomfortable. Merlin's like, hey, that just happened. So, of course, Merlin goes home to Gaius and I don't know, it takes Gaius like two seconds to think Merlin's involved in something that's happened. In the castle that's no bueno. And of course, Merlin does the classic thing that Merlin does. He lies about it. I revisit last episode. Is he a bad liar? Because he's constantly lying. Anyway. Constantly. Every single episode, he's lying. He does. He lies all the time. He says to Gaius, I'm always careful. You know me. And Gaius says, yes, unfortunately, I do. <laughs> I love that at least Gaius is really honest about it. Sassy. Sassy, sassy Gaius. I love it. You do love it. I always love the juxtaposition because you know, Uther and Morgana have a father-daughter relationship. We see Morgana and Uther having dinner. Are they always having dinner like this? Like across a very long table? I don't know. At some point, I kind of want to try to do that. I just don't have a long enough table. But one, I want to go to a castle and have dinner very far away from the other person on opposite sides of the table with a very echoey room and try to talk to each other, yelling so the other person can hear me. I just can't help but think in the scene, I'm like, do they always have dinner like this? Is that like, is that who Uther is eating dinner with? Arthur's not there because he's working and he busts in and he can't find the kid. And he does say something that I feel like these writers are constantly messing with their audience because he says this line where I'm like, don't say that. It's like a horror movie line right? What's the worst that could happen kind of line where it's like, don't, why are you inviting the worst that could happen? Because the line is, he's just a boy. What harm could he do? Eh, I don't know. We'll see later in this episode what people think he could do because it's Arthur, don't, don't. Why are you jinxing it? Just shut up. Absolutely jinxed it. 100%. No, don't say things like that. It's definitely like a cringy horror movie line where I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't assume the worst is over. Also, I love the little interaction between Uther and Arthur. When Arthur comes in, 
saying that, oh, the boy is nowhere to be found. And Uther's like, no, you failed to find him. And I'm like, oh my God, so aggressive. Can't even get some dinner. Just have to get yelled at. Uther is in his sorcery panic mode. Can't listen to reason. Can't be nice. Just has to belittle Arthur. Yeah. Lovely, which is why I'm comparing it. You know, Gaius knows Merlin's involved and he's still kind of gentle about it. Like he can be like funny about it, but he's not going to be completely belittling. I love what happens next because it's kind of, it made me think of you when I saw Merlin hiding in Morgana's room. It made me feel like the reverse of what Merlin's usually doing because I know you're always waiting for him to follow someone and this, this time he's sneaking hiding. It was like sneaky Merlin hiding edition. <laughs> he's just behind this little thing the whole thing the boots all of it yes ah the boots i'm like this is what i'm here for this kind of like silly comedy where the boots walk themselves into hiding with with them i love it it's so silly and it's so cartoonish but i love it but in a in a good way in a good way no no not in a bad way at all in a good way And Morgana once again establishes her seat on the throne of the queen of reverse psychology. She is just the most, she uses again her powers for good, but she's so manipulative. She just knows how to twist, especially Uther and Arthur and a lot of times in this episode. But actually, they talked about it in the commentary. This this episode has a lot of small scenes and a lot of them like are repetitive. There's just like a lot being crammed into these like short scenes. So this is the second time we actually see Merlin and Morgana practically alone because the kids passed out in her room. And the scene prior is so subtle and so great. There's so much tension between him and Morgana skirting around this conversation about like they're talking about magic. They're not skirting around that, but skirting around their personal places in this world of magic. And they both just uh, act that so beautifully because like, I get buckets of tension between them about like what's not being said. It is. My fav- probably my favorite scene of this episode. It was amazing. So little happens and so much happens. Nothing gets said and so much gets said. There's very little happening. At the line, what if magic isn't something you choose? What if it chooses you? I think is amazing. Is amazing. And there's so much being said in the pauses and the silence and the faces and the little bit of And I got, like, I got what I said last episode, if you guys listened to us, that I wanted, that I wanted Merlin and Morgana to connect and feel, feel that connection between both of them in that they kind of understood each other and found some safety in each other's because they're similar, because they're finding out that they have similar powers. And that's exactly what Morgana's not getting from Merlin because she doesn't know. So she is actually putting all that on the kid. You know, there are a lot of times during this episode where Gwen's looking at her, confused, doesn't get what's happening. And because Gwen is so astute, usually those faces she makes behind Morgana are so huge because she's like, I don't, usually she gets it and she's not getting it. And there's something that's happening here because Morgana can't have that with Merlin because she has no idea. She's getting it from the kid, the sense of connection, and like somebody else like her. Merlin instead gets these really hopeful faces in those scenes when he's talking to Morgana. Like his eyes are just, (gasps) but wait, she doesn't, I can't say anything. Like I'm not going to say anything. For once, I mean, he's actually listening to Gaius, which he never does, but he is keeping the secret. 
but he does, you know, Katie McGrath pointed this out in this commentary where like Colin Morgan's really good at this face where it's like, you think he's about to say the thing he wants to say and then doesn't. And it comes with this face of you're almost there. And then it just doesn't happen. And it's, oh my God, you're with him because you thought he was just going to give in. And I love that. I feel like in this scene, Merlin is trusting his trust in Morgana's is just getting he's trusting Morgana a little more because he sees in her that she will defy Uther on this magic is bad thing because he says that Uther just believes that anyone that does magic is bad and she says Uther is wrong and he asks her do you really believe that Mm -hmm. and that's when she says what if magic isn't something you choose what if he chooses you yeah and he smiles. He does a little smile and she's like, why are you looking at me like that? And I'm like, oh, my God, my heart is breaking. They said something so funny because there's so much tension in this scene. And they said that they tried it another way and they didn't use that version where it's like more. It was too flirty. There was like actually flirty energy more than like, and they were like, no, that doesn't work. Oh, that would be weird. I'm glad they didn't use that. Yeah, because the beauty of this this deep one and wanting to be accepted for someone who's so different and just feeling so alone. And it's not about sexual tension. It's a tension of just putting your hopes on connection with someone and not a connection that's romantic, but a connection that's deeper than that. Like of just, belonging somewhere. Yes. Which is really such a human thing. I mean, that's, that is life. This like this quest of belonging, at least maybe my experience, I might be projecting that onto this show real hardcore <laughs> mine too but i i can see merlin in the scene trusting morgana a little more maybe maybe thinking to himself if i need help this is the person that i'm gonna go to because this whole conversation started with him telling her i thought you were gonna rat us to the guards yeah this is where i would say yeah Merlin and Morgana are friends. Like this is the episode that's like, yeah, they're all buddies. And it's not just him and Arthur, although that connection is much different. But, you know, in the later scene, when he comes in and they're talking about the infection and Arthur comes in, and they do sneaky boots, which is adorable. She places her trust in him because he's like, let me try. Like, let me try to fix the kid. So he goes off to get supplies. And there's this wonderful comedic scene and I always appreciate these light scenes because it's a quite heavy episode. It's not, there's a lot of executions. I mean, it's not, it's not a fun one. It's emotionally really heavy. Oh yeah. A lot of bad things are happening and it's, it's tense because there's constant danger. It's not like the episode with the Griffin when like, there's no danger yet. You know, it's not here yet. At this, this episode, it's constant. Every corner, every time you might get caught. Even with Gaius, because it's not to say that Gaius would turn them in, but he's not going to be happy. Yes. So Merlin lies to him and that, that book drop on the table. First of all, Richard Wilson's reaction to his pure joy that Merlin gives a shit about his work. Amazing. But also just the, the anatomy lesson with the giant book hitting the table cracks me up. It's such a, a funny physical comedy thing. Also, I feel like it's so funny that Gaius is like, oh, the prince can wait. This is your education and you have to sit here right now. And I'm like, wait, what? 
Have you met Arthur? I'm not sure he's the most patient fella. There's, there are times where obviously Arthur outranks Gaius, but in, in the quest for Merlin's time and chores, there is a question mark. I also love that Gaius says that Merlin is a riddle wrapped in a mystery. Adorable. <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> Which honestly is a big old lie. But Merlin did take an interest. He tries to fix the kid. And of course, when he's there, the kid's saying interesting things. What did you... Well, he said something to Merlin that Merlin doesn't understand. So, of course, Merlin runs off to the dragon, who is usually of mm, zero help, maybe like 0.05% help. So I don't know what answers he thinks he's going to get. You think you're going to get an answer. You're running over there and see if he's going to be like, this is what Emrys means. <laughs> but I'll give him credit. He did actually answer this question because they have a sass off. You're happy because I know you're happy because the dragon's here. Also, because I get to tell everyone this is that the dragon doesn't give straight answers. Here is an episode that proves he gives very straight answers this episode every time. Every single time. Just watch it. I'm going to push back on that. He gets an answer because he just says, he says, because that's your name. And we get one of everyone's, uh, this is a popular Merlin line that everyone loves. Because it's great and I love it. I'm pretty sure my name's Merlin. Always has been. Sass queen. And yeah, that's an answer. Like he tells them things have been written about you. Like you have many names. You know, you're gonna have to get used to. We're getting a peek into like the dragons telling him you're a legend. You don't even know this yet, kid. And he says the kid and I are alike. This is where he's not helpful again. You and the boy are as different as day and night. Thanks. Super helpful. Not heavy on the details that answer this is like the two sides of the same coin bullshit that's not a thing you didn't say a thing you're as different as day and night okay could you elaborate on that how and then he just flies off but he does say don't protect this boy it's best to give reasons for that kind of shit because he doesn't in this scene also this is a good time to bring something up that we haven't talked about it's episode eight okay we're gonna talk about this i have kept my mouth shut about this but i had someone who was watching this to listen to our podcast text me about it have you talked about the chain on the dragon and i said to them not yet but i constantly think about it when i watch this show is that chain like 40 miles long <laughs> Because we've talked about how ridiculously big this cavern is. It's impossibly, impossibly big. Because the stairs aren't that long. Fine. This chain. Holy crap. It is like a mile long. And it's funny because there's been a lot of episodes that we've been kind of reminding each other to talk about this. And we never do. And today, I actually made a note because the dragon flies a lot in this episode. So the chain is always like... Just wagging and like flying and making noise in the air. And it is probably 40 miles long. Sounds like a good amount of chain. Yeah. Because we also can't really tell where it's connected to anything. It is in fact so long that he came in from like stage right this time. Right? He usually comes from up and they changed it up on us. He scared the shit out of Merlin. We got a, like a jump scare from Merlin. I love that little touch of the dragon. It's like, I'm just going to change it up. Keep keep it on your toes. Merlin showed up. He's like, I'm going to fuck with Merlin today. Because <laughs> he knows he's coming because he can hear the kid. Also, can he hear the kid? I thought you could selectively telepathically talk to someone. It's actually really inconvenient if your telepathy goes out to like the entire fucking kingdom. 
because then everyone who's magic would hear you, right? That is true. But maybe the dragon can only hear the kid because he already knows what's going to happen. So he's like, I'm not even, I don't even care about that. If it's a plot hole, I don't even care. I just can't with the chain because I can't tell where it's connected from and I can't tell how long it is. And it's, it already eats up so much of my ram when I'm watching this, trying to figure out how big this cave is under the castle. Because for the cave to be as large as it is, Merlin would have had to walk down like a thousand steps. Minimum. The dragon always flies up also. After he talks to Merlin, he flies up, which means that the castle is above it. Or next to it. And it's not like the castle's next to a mountain. It's like on top of a hill, but it's not like, whatever. I can't even get into this because the physics of where the dragon lives and the chain are just impossible. I've tried to figure this out and I can't and I'm not gonna... But we had to talk about it because once I got that text message, I was like, well, I guess now I can't shut up about it forever. Like, I have to say something. That's true. Because I'm not the only one noticing it. And it's not to nitpick. It's great CGI. I'm not even going to get into this stuff. Are you kidding? It's my favorite thing. It's, it's my favorite character. I will never stop loving the dragon. You guys can just quote me on that till the end of this series. Oh, I cannot wait for the end of this series. <laughs> That's where I stick on the helpfulness of this dragon, because in this particular conversation, he's not super helpful about why I shouldn't help the kid. It would be better to know sooner. This is like the last episode where Gaius didn't tell Merlin right away what he knew. Let's be explicit right from the start, and I won't keep helping someone I'm not supposed to be helping, and then screw myself over. Anyway, Morgana has a moment where she hears the kid. He says Morgana, so he can direct his telepathy because Merlin doesn't hear him. I guess the kid, when he was doing his telepathy, in the beginning, I could give that up to being like he was just sending it out randomly to anyone who could hear him because he wasn't trying to talk to anyone specifically. As a help message. Right. Merlin has a moment or he he's listening to the dragon. He, yeah, yeah, I'll help you. He says he's going to help her. But I mean, if you're paying attention and you're looking at Merlin's face, not so convinced he wants to go through with that plan. But then when he talks to Gaius about it, he gets a little, he's been spending a lot of time with Morgana, I feel like, because what he says to guys in this scene is, are you saying it's wrong to harbor a young magician? Which was such reverse psychology shit that I was like, I felt like Merlin has been spending a lot of time with Morgana and picked up some tricks because <laughs> he totally just slapped Gaius with that guilt trip of like, well, you're doing it. So what's the big deal if I do it? Why am I worth more than this kid? Yes. And I feel like at this moment, Merlin identifies with the kid just a little bit because it's like, if I'm worth saving and this kid is kind of like me, why isn't he worth saving also? And it is a good question. It's a great question, actually. Which is why I'm telling you the dragon wasn't helpful because he's like, you're not the same. Well, I'm going to need some details. <laughs> Look, you got, let me, let me stop you right here. People were complaining that he didn't give straight answers. People being me. That he just gave riddles. Here's a straight answer. Do I save the boy? Do I not save the boy? Don't save the boy. That's an answer. Nobody said that he had to justify his answers. You guys are asking for too much here. I don't... Nah, 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 nah. Nah, nah. I love how it's like you guys and people. It's just me. It's just me complaining. <laughs> but you know what? You, to you told me in the beginning that people kind of hate this dragon. <laughs> There's a lot of memes. It's a very memeable thing that, that the dragon is kind of bullshit with his answers. I mean, there's more than a couple memes I've seen about it. So because it's easy. People who love the dragon, please write to us. Uh, it will make me really, really happy because at the moment, 
we have to do a poll on our Instagram. I think I did. About the dragon specifically? I think I did about the dragon and how bullshit his answers are. And I lost it. Oh, I don't know. I need to look it up. I can't tell you for sure. But you got to remember, if I do a poll, the people answering are people who have way more knowledge than you do about what the dragon gets up to in his free time. Okay? (laughs) Okay. That's true. Fine. Whatever. I would... I would defend the dragon for as long as I can. I know you're a reasonable person. Up to this point, episode eight, the dragon, this is the most helpful he's been. I will give you that this this episode, he gets probably more helpful than usual, probably because Merlin has had it and he keeps yelling at him at this point. You know, he needs real answers and it's for the dragon. I'm not saying this against the dragon. If you want Merlin to do what you think is right, you're going to have to justify it a little bit. You don't just tell somebody to kill a kid and not give them a reason to do so. Look, I agree there. I don't disagree with you. It's like, just let this person die. Why? Just because. Just because I said so. I'm like, I'm going to need a little more, more than that. <laughs> Who is the dragon anyway? Why is it implicit that Merlin should trust him? Do you implicitly think the dragon is a good guy i think the dragon is a neutral being Hmm. at the moment for right now because he seems to be trying to make this merlin arthur's destiny work right even though he's not really giving straight answers he's not really getting involved or just putting his finger on merlin's actions um he's trying to he helps the way that he can he does have at this point you do know that he has his own agendas though because he does want magic back he does hate uther he is mad at gaius those are the things you know about his backstory he's pissed off he's been chained up uther is the bad guy to him i'm just saying like not that uther isn't the bad guy to most people with magic but he does have opinions Well, obviously, he is a magical being. He was trapped and chained 20 years ago into a huge dungeon. And he is very mad at Gaius because he said that Gaius let it happen. Gaius used to do magic and he doesn't anymore because he took Uther's side. And the dress, so the dragon. Well, Gaius is a huge sellout. So the dragon blames Gaius a little bit, or a lot, maybe. We'll see. For what happened. I would, too. If I was imprisoned because of this, I would definitely blame him. And that's why I was so disappointed to know these things last episode. I'm still working on them internally. (laughs) Okay. I understand. Well, at least the next couple things we get are actually pretty, like, light. Because we get Morgana... Merlin and Gwen in the market, which is total heist vibes. I feel like I'm watching Merlin does Ocean's Eleven, which is a compliment because I love it. It's very Scooby gang. They're all here. Like they've left Arthur out. Poor guy. They'll get to reap that reward later <laughs> because it's so fun. Like the, the vibes between them are fun. They're making a plan. They're working together. They're using everybody's brains. It's amazing. The setting of it. I like that it wasn't quietly in the room. Fake shopping, looking around. It was very, we're planning a heist. We're checking out the guards. How many guards are out there? And straight from there to the funniest scene of the episode, easily the comedy break, for real. The key scene. (laughs) I mean, the 
that they pulled this off amazes me just from a special effects point, from an acting point. Like, it's hilarious. Bradley James's reactions in this scene crack me up. A plus on this whole thing. The special effects were really good. I was going to ask you, do you know how they did this? Yes, and since you can't listen to this commentary, I'll explain. They had the first AD on the bed with a pole and fishing wire, basically. So he was trying to swing the keys behind Bradley's head in the right timing. So it was quite difficult, actually, because, you know, like you don't have that much control of a pole with some wire. But yeah, he was like perched on the, on the edge of, uh, of Arthur's bed behind him swinging the keys around and it's hilarious it cracks me up every time because of how frustrated arthur is getting <laughs> Merlin just like oh here's the bread <laughs> it is amazing it's amazing that another person was controlling the keys because for a second i thought that it was maybe a belt and that was a wire like coming up behind arthur's back and connected to mm-hmm. bradley james's body because it moved so perfectly when he moved around that I'm like, it must be connected to his body because it's so good. That is amazing that it's actually controlled by another person. Yeah, they pulled it off. And it's it works special effects-wise and it works comedy-wise. I laugh every time. Pretty good. He's so angry. That's That would, by the way, I think I get it also because that would be me. If I heard a sound like that, I would be losing my shit. So would I. I'm like, what do you mean you don't hear that? It's like, I do that with sounds. I do that with smell. If I can smell something and I can't figure it out where it's coming from, anything, it freaks me out and I have to find out. I'm with you. You know, we have to know. I'm with you and I'm hypersensitive. I have to know and I'm also hypersensitive. I wouldn't say I'm hypersensitive with smell. I'm not like the strongest smeller in the world, but oh my God, I can hear sounds all too clearly my hearing is so intact which is terrifying because I was told for years that I would go deaf by a certain age that I've surpassed at this point and I have not because I it's terrible well I notoriously in college used to listen to music so loud that my roommates could tell I was home because outside the front door they could hear my headphones that were wrapped around my young ears I was just listening to music so loudly you could hear it 10 feet away from me on my headphones I'm not saying I don't do that nowadays either. <laughs> definitely don't good, not good for you. That's definitely not good for you. I don't recommend. I just lucked out. I was like, eh, if I go deaf, I go deaf. I haven't gone deaf. I can hear all too well. It is almost annoying how well I hear. Every little sound is annoying. <laughs> that was a bit of a personal tale. So, yes, we get this entire hilarious scene. And so Morgana is sneaking out now. And I love this little part of the plan. I don't know if you noticed it. She's wearing Gwen's dress under her red cape. The yellow dress? No. Like kind of like washed out red dress with the little like lacy bodice. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. I know which one it is. I didn't notice. I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. That is so smart. It's so smart. You're adorable. I love that you want to see it now. You're like, now I have to see it. Yeah, she's definitely wearing Gwen's dress under her very like discreet red, like not not fancy cape. Although red, arguably not the best color to sneak around in. And this is kind of what you get for not including Arthur. Because now when it comes to the point that he discovers her, 
First of all, I feel like he's heartbroken that he got left out of the plan. Second of all, they've put him between a rock and a hard place. He goes behind his father's back and does bullshit all the time. But in front, he looks around when she says, please let us go. And he looks and he's like, I'm surrounded by guards. Everyone can see me. You've put me in a really shitty situation because I have to take you in now. Or I have to kill all these guards. And they're, you know, technically innocent people. <laughs> you know what I mean? She's put him in a bad situation because his father's going to find out. So he has to say it. That's it. There's two things in these scenes that I liked a lot. One is at the beginning of the scene where she's, Morgana's very thoughtful and apologizes to Gwen for roping her in to a dangerous plan without even asking if she was comfortable doing any of it. So I thought that was very thoughtful. I thought that it spoke a lot about their friendship and their level of closeness. Gwen, I don't know if it's this part, but I think that Gwen says that she knows how it is to go for execution, to to be in danger of being beheaded. So she understands. Um, that's one thing. And the other things, yes, I noticed that. And Arthur's face, when he looks around, is like, if all of these people weren't here, yes, I would let him go. Obviously, I can't. Yeah, that's a brilliant little bit of acting right there. He just telegraphs that to us. And yeah, and I feel him a little disappointed that they didn't trust him enough to tell him about the plan. And it's because he's been arguing with Uther this entire fucking time about this. How dare they not trust him on behalf of the boy? Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, guys, you left one of the gang out. See, this is like Ocean's 10 going out there and like not telling the dude and running into him while you're planning and being like, why the fuck would you leave me out of this? Come on. It wasn't cool. I felt bad on Arthur's behalf. Maybe he didn't try to telegraph that, but I felt it. I was like, well, you should have included him. Okay. Yeah. I agree. You know, sticking with the Arthur train, him versus Uther, their argument, I'm so proud of him because they have this long walk down the beautiful castle cloisters, which uh, every time they're in this place of the castle, Katie McGrath was saying like, however much you think you've seen of this castle, there's 500 other rooms we haven't filmed in. And I'm like, uh, I want to go like run around this place. But yes, he, he really holds up his own in this conversation. This is after Uther just basically freaks out and, you know, totally attacks Morgana. Pretty scary. I don't like it. I don't like it. Makes me, it made me feel very uncomfortable. It is very harsh. I mean, this is the worst side of Uther we've seen, and he's executed people, but to push Morgana back by her neck is terrifying. And Morgana asks, what I've been asking for now eight episodes, why are you so full of hate? That's what she asks him. I'm like, I also want to know. Please, somebody answer. I mean, have we ever stopped asking why are you the way that you are? I mean, this is the moment, right? Where we're like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? You just physically attacked Morgana, which is really interesting because they talked about it in the commentary and they said that originally it was scripted that he would hit her and they pulled back from that because it was too much. I agree. It was like irredeemable because he's like executing a kid and hitting Morgana. The throat grab's not really little either. Like they were like, I'm not even really sure that this wasn't that bad either because it's pretty bad. But, you know, they get into the, and then Arthur stands up to him after and it's such a good scene i i heard uh i think i don't know if it was colin morgan whoever was in the commentary say this and i feel the same way the delivery of this line kills me anthony head is so talented that when he says i do not seek her forgiveness holy shit i feel like it's a like he's really 
feels that way. I, I get the feeling running through my body of like exactly how Uther is feeling. I don't even agree with it, but he just is, delivers it so well that I'm just there with him. I'm like, like, how dare you say that I should forgive her? I've been betrayed. Which almost makes it my favorite line of the episode, not because I like the line, but because, oh my God, he killed it. It's so good. The outrage. It is so, yes. There is just the, the outrage and the anger inside of him saying, I was the one betrayed. Why would I seek somebody, somebody's forgiveness if I was the one? I'm the victim here. Why are you making me anything else? I'm the victim. I gave this... I gave this girl everything. I gave her everything and she betrayed me. So no. I mean, this is Uther's real problem, right? Why are you the way that you are? Victim mode. Always victim mode. He's put upon. It's just so good. Uh, I can't take it. I just, I get chills every time he delivers that line because I'm like, shit, I believe him. And I'm on his side for a second. This is such a big episode, I feel, for Uther just because Anthony's acting is so, so good. Like from grabbing Morgana's throat, from yelling, from executing people, from just stating that magic is evil over and over and over again without feeling, yes, he's repetitive, but I never feel like he's actually repeating himself. He's just giving us more reasons. Just his acting is brilliant. It is. I'm going to give you a dumb thing now that we went really deep. I forgot to tell you last episode that in the commentary, Anthony had talked about how much he loves the duster and they talked about it. I'm like, I'm not the only one. <laughs> Amazing. A lot of things happen in that commentary that I forgot to tell you, like the fact that that red jacket that's studded, Bradley James calls it his thriller jacket, which is hilarious because it's totally a thriller jacket. Ah, <laughs> uh, it is hilarious. It is hilarious. I bring this up because he wore the duster right here in the cloisters with, with Uther. And yeah, when he walks away, it looks badass. He looks like a cowboy, like a night cowboy. But also... Because the dumb thing about the next scene is that Arthur's wearing the ring. And I'm sure you didn't notice it because it's really hard to pick up if you're not constantly staring at his hands. <laughs> I notice people's hands a lot. I didn't. Maybe it's the Italian in me. I talk with my hands constantly. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> and I play with my rings constantly. I have a fixation with the rings that I wear. So I notice it. But he was wearing the ring. I saw it. But anyway, he and Morgana are talking now. Arthur is just frustrated with everyone, I feel like, at this point. And rightfully so. If anyone's been betrayed, by the way, Uther, it's Arthur. Because they should have trusted him. They didn't. They didn't include him. And now he's stuck in a shitty situation figuring this out. I think it's really interesting, though. What really read a little awkward to me is that Morgana had to say she trusts Merlin when Merlin walks in. And, like, Arthur just brushes him off to go clean up horse shit or whatever it is that he's always telling him to do. And I'm like, I feel like Merlin would be the first person Arthur goes to. <laughs> That was a little weird for me, too. I am not sure if Arthur was just wanting the plan to reach as few people as possible so they wouldn't get caught. I think that was it. I think that that's how I made it in my head. No, I understand that, but it's funny because that's what just happened to him. Dude, no, we include Merlin. I'm trying to think, like, has Merlin not proven tolerant of magic? To Is he worried that... Merlin's not on the same boat as them with magic because I'm not sure that he and Arthur have really I mean there was the Gwen incident but he also thinks Merlin has feelings for Gwen so I don't know whether I just think it's funny like she has to say he tr she trusts Merlin like Merlin's the one who brought the kid to her room 
You'd think she would have told Arthur that. Anyway, yes, he's probably trying to keep it light and 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 agile. They're humans. They fuck up. You know, like I can believe all the fuck ups because humans are just a mess. And Merlin gives another one of these pained like yeses that where he really wants to say no. And he's just like, t- like he's trying to give excuses why the plan won't work. <laughs> so he runs off to the dragon. Because in any moment of confusion, what does Merlin do? And this time I wrote it. I wrote it in my notes. At least a direct answer and a terrible moral dilemma. So here's a direct answer for once and also a terrible thing. (laughs) I asked for direct answers. What did I get? A a terrifying moral dilemma. Let's say the dragon is right. I don't know if you believe him or not, but let's say he's right. This kid is going to kill Arthur. That's a good place to start. Do you believe him? And also, what should Merlin do? I do believe the dragon. I believe him because he hasn't been wrong so far. He has given us riddles, but he hasn't been wrong. He, I think he's telling the truth. And I don't know what I would do. Because like you said, and I agree with you, I don't disagree. I need more information to make a decision. Do I kill this boy now? Is it going to get so strong that I cannot ever kill him later in life? Yeah, it's a rough one. That's why I wrote that because that is my reaction. I'm like, oh, good, like a direct answer. And also like the worst moral dilemma ever, because this is hard. You're taking it on the word of trust me, kid. I know. Also, like Merlin is saying, he says destiny is not set in stone. So if he believes that, it's interesting because he does make a choice. In a couple of scenes, he makes a choice. He does. First, we see Morgana and Gwen. And Gwen finally is like, hey, something's going on here with you. Like, why are you risking everything for this kid? She doesn't really get the truth out of Morgana. You met him two days ago. What is going on? I thought it was really sweet. The first thing in the commentary that came out is that Katie McGrath loves this kid. And she's like, I would have taken the kid. (laughs) (laughs) He really came through in the performance. (laughs) We felt like you wanted to steal the kid. Yeah, it's just it's interesting to me because, again, Gwen is always so smart because she gets no help from anybody. No one tells her shit. No information. And she's still like, something's going on here. This isn't normal. This reaction's not on par with how I know Morgana. It was interesting the director was talking about Gwen's really telling the audience this is not normal for Morgana. There's something happening. She's our indicator of, oh, something's happening with Morgana here. And poor Morgana has to go have dinner with Uther and give like a crying speech. She's a good little liar. I love this scene. I love it so much because we're like, oh my God, you're such a liar. She, again, using her powers for good is like a borderline. I wrote, she might be a borderline sociopath in this scene. You know, like the feigning of emotions to get a reaction you want from someone. It's so good. It's so good, but it disturbed me a little bit, even though she's doing it for the greater good and a good reason. And Uther's the villain of the scene. I'm not saying she's a bad person, but what I'm saying is I'm getting a glimpse of something that I've seen people do in my life that's actually terrifying. And by people in my life, I mean people who have sociopathic tendencies that I've known in my life. Point is, this is one of those very real character moments where I'm like, oh shit, this is kind of like disturbing. It's very real behavior. I feel like, guys, don't don't kill us here. When we say like, this is so good. We're not saying go reproduce this behavior with other people in real life. We're just saying that in the show, in this scene, these fictional characters, this is very good. Just clarifying here. Yeah. And what's good about it is how real it is. People do this. But yes, she's, I'm sorry, she's borderline sociopath in the scene. Not in a bad way. She pulls off a great trick. Katie McGrath is amazing. 
hearing her process because you won't be able to listen to this. Just so you know, apparently she has a hard time crying on camera to the point where like the tricks like crying sticks don't work on her. They just make her eyes red. She said she curled herself up in a ball and listened to like sad things on her iPod for like 15 minutes before the scene shot to make herself cry. It worked a treat. It's great. That is amazing. I would never guess that she had trouble crying. Never, never, ever. This definitely worked. She can use this forever. Yeah. I mean, I've seen actors do that. I've had to go get an actor for a scene like that on set. Like I was the person sent to go get the actor and they were like off on the side of the set crying with their iPod. And I was like, hey, awkward. (laughs) We got to go to set now. Oh, it's always so hard. It's so terrible when you have to do that. I'm like, sorry to disturb your moment and take you totally out of it, but I have to get you (laughs) to your job now. (laughs) And you don't want to talk too much. You don't want to say anything. You don't want to influence them. It's terrifying. Anyway, yeah, it worked a treat and Uther buys it, like eats it up with a fucking spoon because that's what he wants. And I mean, again, Morgana, whether she's a sociopath or not, is uh, a great manipulator and she gets exactly what she wants, lulls him into a sense of security. And then the escape happens. Arthur gets him out totally like heist style. They put the guards to sleep. I love it. It's a great sequence. These fucking hallways in this castle. I'm in love. I don't mind the torch when it happens in the hallways, by the way, in the castle, because I'm not afraid that the set's going to burn down. (laughs) It's stone. It's actual stone. I don't think the whole thing is going to burn down. But, you know, the other sets, we don't know what they're made out of. It's very scary. I mean, I know what they're made out of. Flammable materials. <laughs> we get to this like climactic scene where Merlin's made a choice. He is laying in bed. I don't even blame him. Merlin tries so hard to make the right decision all the time. You know, he tells Gaius one is horrible and one is unthinkable. I, I feel terribly for him. And the truth is that my instinct in this scene is that this, I want this kid to shut up. <laughs> I'm so upset at this yelling and his, oh my God. It would drive me insane. I don't blame Merlin. I also like the beginning of this scene so much because Merlin seeks in Gaius more advice. And Gaius is so nice because he is the type of friend, or in this case, like almost like a dad, that is really just there to listen to Merlin because he doesn't ask what the problem is. He doesn't ask what is going to happen. He doesn't ask what the unthinkable thing is or what the bad thing is. He just sits there and listens and gives his advice. And I feel like it's very helpful and really sweet. Yeah. He's really there for him. And he, he says, he, you know, he's going to make the right decision because he, he does trust Merlin's heart and the kind of person he is. He's never concerned with that. He's more concerned with you're going to follow your heart into your fucking grave because the safety. Yes. Because he does, is it in this episode where he says it, where he's like, it's a wonder that your magic is still a secret since you're just carelessly doing it all the time. I'm like, I'm glad someone said it at some point and it had to be Gaius because that's the only person. It is. It is this episode. I laughed because I'm like, yeah, yeah. Thanks for, by the way, mentioning that because it's been a problem. He does kind of carelessly do magic here and there to and fro in front of everybody. But yeah, 
he's made his decision, but oh my God, this kid screams in his head. I don't even, I don't even know what to do with it. Like I would give in to because I'd be like, oh my God, stop it. Stop. Just no. And he goes to the rescue. They did point it out in the commentary and it is hard to not notice that this kid gives this brilliant fucking pissed off look at Merlin. And Merlin's like, I got stuck. And he gives him this glare. I don't know if you saw it, but he gives him this like, I don't believe a fucking word you're saying right now. Look. I did. I did because he's like, I've been calling you for the last fucking 15 minutes. Where were you? It's impossible that you were not listening because I know that you're listening to me. I know that you can hear me. I'm calling you by name. Okay, but like when you see that glare, you're like, "Hmm, maybe we shouldn't save him. He seems angry. (laughs) Just saying. Because that glare. And then he says the worst thing possible. Someday we'll meet again. And Merlin's face is like, please no. (laughs) Please leave forever. I've saved your life. I know that someday we'll meet again. It's like, no, no, you're supposed to go forever. You're supposed to go away and never, ever come back. That's the deal that I made in my head by myself. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like he should have made these terms clear. You know, you and I are best of friends. And yet when we do business together, we have contracts. You know what, people? If you want to learn a lesson from this podcast, it's even with your friends. When it involves business or anything of the sort, you make a contract. You get an agreement going. He should have said to the kid, I will let you out if you never come back again. I never want to see your face again, kid. Because, yeah, Merlin's kind of got that face of like, oh, shit. This is not in the contract. (laughs) This is not good. Like, what have I done? Because there is a feeling of what have I done? I've set us on a course now, right? Because there is that feeling because I feel like Merlin is thinking in his head, well, the dragon warned me more than once. And the dragon being a total bitchy diva is going to be like, well, you've once again not listened to my advice. Well, he does say that in the middle. He said, you come seeking for my advice and then you choose not to follow it, which I would be pissed too. I understand the dragon. I mean, yeah, don't come asking for my help and then ignore me, please. Don't. I don't need that. I don't. And honestly, like, you can do that. I always tell my friends, you want my advice? I give them advice. And then I tell them, listen, you don't have to actually follow it. I don't care. But, you know, don't come crying to me if you do the opposite of what I advised. Exactly. I don't want to hear the sob story at the end of it. Because then there's a big I told you so right there, Um, which I don't do. I don't do I told you so's. But in my head, I'm saying it. Oh, yeah. In our head. I'm only human. It's always in our heads. Yeah, I'm I'm a nice person, but I'm thinking it. I'm not a saint. I'm thinking, well, you should have done what I said, <laughs> but you didn't. We all live that life. Uther then threatens the shit out of Morgana in a moment that I feel I want to always give Anthony Head all the props in the world because I think he's a sweet human being and he scares the shit out of me in this scene. And then you land on Morgana at the end of the scene and there's something there. There's a there's a little thing happening with her. How do you think she's doing? Um, first of all, I agree with you. Anthony Head is terrifying in this scene. I feel like this scene validated what Morgana said last episode. He hates magic more than he loves me. And this is it. He says it out loud. Yeah. And I feel like that she's this is it. She was right. Do you see like a switch flipped in her at the end there? Because there's something, she's she's not happy. Yeah. There's like the, a little bit of anger that's like going up there of 
wanting to defy Uther even more from now on. Yeah, because it's interesting. They could have, she could have played it and they could have written it a different way. She could have displayed relief. The kid got away. Happiness. The plan worked. She got away with it. She has a concrete alibi. Instead, she just seems really pissed off. Hmm. Yeah. Well, then, you know, Arthur rides off and delivers the kid to the druids, gets a name. Hi, Mordred. And which, if you're really into Arthurian tales, you might remember Mordred as a character, but I don't think you do. What's normal? I don't. I'm like, well, I know that this was supposed to be like a cliffhanger here. People were like, oh my God, that's Mordred. I'm like, I don't know who that is. So Not only is it Mordred, but I they, don't remember who that is. They kind of tell you with the music. And it's not good. <laughs> he does that little smile and then he gets like really wide-eyed and serious as he walks away and the chanting start. And Arthur's like, huh, creepy children. So creepy. If you weren't creeped out the whole time like me, maybe because I'm carrying a lot of knowledge from the show, but like, are you creeped out now? Like, that's a creepy moment. They've landed it. Oh, with- no. That's why I said I wasn't that creeped out throughout the episode. But at the end, I'm like, ugh, you go away. Never. Just leave, please. I don't want to see this anymore. I've been thinking about what would happen when we got to this episode for a while now since we talked about doing this because I'm like, this is going to be the first episode we get to that's a little hard for me because I'm frustrated with a lot of decisions and and things and the way they happened and I'm I'm mad at the universe of Merlin I'm not mad at any of the characters I'm just like upset that things are going the way they're going (laughs) no one's really done anything wrong I'm just like I don't know if I like where this is going I'm uncomfortable I love it it's just so funny because you know so much obviously you know so much more than I do I'm not that worried I mean, then the episode ended before we go to next week and everything. The episode, every time that the episode ends, I go and I look at the title of the episode and he says the beginning of the end. And I'm like, wait, what? Now are you scared? I am. I am more scared by the (laughs) title of this episode than by everything that just happened. I don't like this. I don't like the title of the episode. And then if you see the next week, I'm really, really worried. Well, okay, before we get to the the previews of next week, yeah, yeah, there is something to con- to be concerned with because the title <laughs> is not light, which is why I named ours the way I did, but also because things have shifted in this episode pretty violently. You know, everyone's loyalties got really tested out in this episode. Uther pushed Morgana really far. It was really dark. They went to some really dark places in interpersonal relationships within the castle. And I mean, it's Morgana's story that got really dark in this episode. But also, it's not just my future knowledge. It's the name of the episode. And it's the fact that we're set on a course now to see whether Merlin is right, Destiny's not set in stone, or the dragon is right. Oh my God, it's terrible. I mean, that's one of them has to be right. That's what's hard about this episode. I want I want both of them to be right. <laughs> At the same time, is that possible? Yeah, you're right. It could be. Like there could come the moment where he's about to fulfill that destiny, that terrible destiny of killing Arthur, and Merlin could find a way around it. Like I think they could be right. Or Merlin could stop it from happening in the first place. But this is kind of like when the show really tells you where like this is where we're headed as a story. This is the first big story arc we get. 
I feel like. Right. Since the setup of the show, like Merlin's going to be his servant and this is like the dynamics and here's everyone in the castle and you're a bunch of stories and like setting up who these people are and who they're becoming. But this is like story arc kind of shit, this episode. And after I watched the episode and I looked at the title, I wondered if I would have seen the episode differently if I had read the title before I started watching. I think so. I'm glad you didn't because it doesn't, you just think it's like a one-off like baddie of the week kind of episode like you always do, right? Yeah. Until you're like, wait, is he right though? Like, I'm not going to say he's right or isn't, but there are, there are, I don't think this is going to ruin it for you the whole show or anybody. There are frustrations that will come from this in the future. Oh, I believe that 100%. I know that this is going to come back to bite us in the ass. Some, some part of this is going to come back to us. Yes, some part of it, you know, in some way, this, well, it's not even the Mordred thing. It's not even the destiny thing. Things have changed in the castle. Like Morgana's not happy anymore. Like Uther's become, taken a, a further step into the villain role here. It's gotten a lot darker with Uther. He's never threatened the ones that he loves like this. He's threatened punishment. He said he's put his foot down. He's put his son in jail. But it's always like with the lightness of, I'm teaching you a lesson. I'm right. This was like, I will end you if you cross me again to someone that he loves. A lot of lines have been crossed. Yes. This was like, I will, this was like, I will destroy you if you challenge me again. And if you're on the wrong side of this story, which is magic side, obviously, the promise that I made to your dad means shit. I don't care about that. And what choice does she really have? Because she has magic. She hasn't fully accepted that yet, but she's starting to in this episode a little bit. And that's why, that's why I want her to know about Merlin because I think that she doesn't accept it because I think that she feels really alone. She feels so alone. They also gaslighted the shit out of her last episode. That is true. They did do that. She's pondering magic. She doesn't really know that she has it, but there's something there. She's on this journey right now to try to figure out what's up with her. Oh my God, I hope that happens soon. Well, the attachment to, to Mordred is almost like a subconscious thing where she hasn't actually consciously like said, I have magic. That whole conversation with Merlin was very hypothetical. What if this and that, like, I don't think she's really gotten there because they made her think she was wrong last time. They made her think she was crazy, that she was just having nightmares and nothing. It makes me very sad for her. Like her, what she sees in her head that she knows in her heart that is true doesn't really mean anything and that oh, that makes me really sad because it's so horrible that type of gaslighting is horrible it is and it's but that's what I mean about this episode it's not just Mordred there's a lot of things that like have now been set on a path that's very different from where they were last week we're in a very different course than we were in the prior episode I feel like with some of these people yes the situation escalated quite quickly really got out of hand fast for those of you who haven't watched Anchorman, I'm so sorry because that's so much funnier <laughs> if you've seen Anchorman a lot. To leave you on a light note because that was so light. But yeah, no, this was a serious episode. It's hard to leave on a light note, but we will discuss next week on Merlin. Doesn't seem so light either. <laughs> Holy shit. There is so much happening. Wait a second. I have four main things that will happen next week that I'm going to tell you because I watched next week on Merlin. Number one, a dead knight 
arrives from the dead. Nimue wakes him up. What? He's huge. Nimue's back. The dragon forges a sword. Is the dragon getting hurt by somebody? I'm really upset already. He seems to be screaming. I don't like this. I hope that the dragon stays alive to the end because if he dies, I'm going to cry. And it's not going to be nice. I'm not going to be happy. I don't want him to be hurt. I really like him. He's been alive for like a thousand years, okay? <laughs> Which is why he treats the, the life of a child with the deference of like stepping on a fucking ant, okay? <laughs> like He's like, whatever, just kill the kid. Because he's been around forever. <laughs> But yes, there's there's a lot happening next week. There is an there is that line in the trailer which is the same as what Arthur did this time. Uther does it. Dead men do not return. Well, don't say that cuz now they're gonna <laughs> shut up. Also, have you not been paying attention to what's happening around you? There's a lot of magic happening around you, a lot of weird things like Water doesn't kill people, but apparently there was a monster in your water that was killing people. Nimue is still at large. Anything is on the table. I don't understand why he's he's doing that denial thing. He doesn't want to deal with it, so he's just going to bury his head in his sand like an ostrich. But yeah, I'm like, don't... It's exhausting. It is exhausting, and it's also like, please don't say that. We're back in horror movie scenario. Don't, don't say that. God damn it. Now it's going to happen. <laughs> the dragon, and in my notes it does say... The dragon has a total freakout, exclamation point, question mark, because you don't know, but I do. <laughs> yeah, I have nice sword, Nimue's back. Nimue's back. I kind of like it. I kind of like her. I want to see what she can do. I want to see how far she can push Uther. We're going to find out soon. I do have nice sword on here. I can't wait to see this episode with you. It's going to be exciting and get some adventure going. It's a very... You know, someone throws down a gauntlet for real. Like, not not the phrase, the actual doing of throwing down a gauntlet. I have some tidbits already, and I will say, we'll leave on this light note that means nothing. Those are contacts. Those are not her blue eyes. I think uh, if I heard them correctly, she has blue eyes. Because I didn't turn off the DVD in time, so I actually saw the first couple minutes of the commentary. She does have blue eyes, but those are contacts. So we finally have our answer. Okay, so it's like, it's extra blue on top of the blue that she already has. Yeah, we're not the only ones mesmerized. Everyone in the commentary was. Disclaimer to everyone who was waiting for us to watch deleted scenes. I finally got the DVDs working. There are no deleted scenes from season one. We are sorry. I did not know that. Or but our after, whatever. If you have access to something and you want us to talk about it, send it our way. Just not stuff with spoilers because it's not going to help because I'm not going to show it to Mila. Exactly. We are on Instagram at For the Love of Merlin Podcast. Follow us. Send us stuff. Thank you for all of you who follow us and listen to us. We love doing this. I hope you enjoy hearing it. And we will see you next time. See you next time, everyone. <laughs>